Hi, I'm John Mayfield, the real estate tech guy with another Global Real Estate School podcast. Welcome to the podcast and YouTube video. Thank you so much for joining. I'm John Mayfield, the real estate tech guy, and we are continuing our series with USA Mortgage. And by the way, we have a great guest today. I'm excited to to interview Alan. He's in Hawaii, so we should all be very jealous of Alan because of the the beautiful weather there. I Alan, I go to Hawaii quite a bit to teach for the Hawaii Realtors, and so I have lots of friends there. But thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me, and uh, it's great that you can visit Hawaii. I'm sure you uh, rarely ever turn down uh, an opportunity, right, to to teach here. So I know the the bad thing about COVID with Hawaii is that they have figured out that, oh gosh, we can do Zoom meetings and we don't have to bring the speakers all the way over to Hawaii. So ah. I've done a couple I've done a couple of sessions recently and they were like, oh, can you just do it via Zoom? And I had that happen in the Bahamas. But anyway, uh, we're glad to have you with us, Alan. And and by the way, USA's license number is 227. 262 and they they're an equal housing lender and just some great folks and alan and i just briefly talking before we started this we both have a similar passion we love to work and help first-time home buyers and alan i i just i don't know there's something really fun and exciting to be able to see a couple at the first closing be able to get the keys to their new home and and know that they were they were, they were able to get a, a home loan. And so you were telling me about a couple of different programs. And by the way, I should have mentioned Alan's last name, and I'm going to hopefully pronounce this correctly, but Shumozono. I think I Perfect. messed it up, but okay. okay. There we go. Good. They took phonics out of school when I was a kid, so I've, I've been forever, <laughs> forever, forever taunted. But, but talk a little bit about first-time homebuyer programs, because USA Mortgage has, uh, we normally have FHA, of course, which many first-time homebuyers use, and rural development, which I'm sure you have in Hawaii as well. But you were yes. telling me about a couple of other programs that you really are passionate about. Yes, uh, the two programs I'm I'm passionate about is are, are Home Ready and Home Possible. So of course, Home Ready being the a uh, Fannie Mae product, and Home Possible being the uh, the name for the uh, Freddie Mac uh, first time home buyer. And uh, yes, I'm I'm very familiar with a USDA uh, guaranteed loan here in Hawaii, uh, as well as FHA. Uh, excuse me. Uh, yes, FHA as well. Right. So let's talk a little bit about the home possible is how is it different than say a standard FHA or you, well, first of all, we want to make sure that our audience listening and a lot of our, a lot of the audience are new real estate licensees. They're in school, but we have people, uh, existing real estate licensees. And I think one of the things that there's a couple of neat things we can talk about here is Number one, Alan can help you with the first-time homebuyer program. So I really want to get into the home possible on the USDA. But for me, and speaking to my licensees that are watching, you will normally find buyers who can, can afford the house payment 
It's just coming up with that down payment that seems to be the big obstacle. And mm -hmm. so having solutions like when we say USDA or rural development loans, uh, a lot of times they allow for lower down payments or alternative ways that the seller can help pay for some of the closing costs. So that's why we kind of lean towards these programs. But Alan, one of the things I've discovered, and, and you can talk about as well, is that for the licensees watching, USD, uh, USA Mortgage has this whole printing shop where if you wanted to canvas or send postcards to an apartment complex saying, hey, if you're thinking about buying a home in the near future, reach out to me. We have a program like Home Possible. So I'll let you tell us about that now. But I just wanted to kind of tie that in for our agents to think about how is U.S. Mortgage who's going to help you find those buyers? And now, Alan, you can help kind of put the deal together. And so, sorry I talked so long there, but uh, just wanted wanted the people to know that. But what is Home Possible? Because I've not heard of that. Oh, okay. Well, simply put, Home Possible and Home Ready are the two programs where uh, it allows a borrower, uh, usually a first-time home buyer, but not necessarily, and, I, and I'll talk about that in, in, in a couple minutes, but uh, basically you can get into a home or condominium townhome for as little as 3% down, uh, whereas FHA okay. financing, you have to have 3.5%. So, you know, in this time where, you know, uh, property prices and, and appreciation are just, you know, unprecedented, um, you know, half a percent on, let's say, a half million dollar condo, or, you know, here in Honolulu, uh, you know, median house prices upwards of one, I think 1.1 million right now. But, you know, there are still homes and, and um, uh, single family homes, you know, in the seven to $800,000 range. So a half a percent can, you know, be quite a bit of money uh, for a first time home buyer. So if you, if you don't have to have that uh, half a percent extra and you can just put 3% down, that's, I think the beauty of, of home ready and home possible because a lot of first time home buyers have the common misconception that they have to have that 20% down, uh, which is, you know, not necessarily true. Right. Said a half a percent, even that's a thousand, you know, could be a thousand dollars basically that it could. If I'm yes. doing my math correctly, I don't have my calculator in front of me. Mm -hmm. But for a first-time home buyer, and you know, every marketplace is different. That's a lot of money. But even like you said, when you're looking at five hundred, seven hundred thousand or higher, that could definitely uh, help a lot of buyers out. What's a good, you know, let's talk about. And this is something we haven't talked about on our some of the other interviews I've done. But walk us through, um, say a. Uh, typical home that a first time home buyer may purchase under this process, what kind of debt to income ratios would they need? Now we talk about that in the real estate school, but debt to income being uh, percentage wise, is there something that a borrower could quickly look at or do you have tools on your website? They can plug that in. Uh, I'm not exactly sure about any tools on our website per se, but uh, as a lender, as a loan officer, uh, we should be uh, looking at uh, the, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac both have 
uh, websites, interactive websites, where you can actually plug in the zip code or an actual address of the property. And uh, what the Home Possible and Home Ready does is that they usually want to know that, a, first of all, a borrower doesn't have more than 80% of the AMI or area immediate income uh, for a given location. So that's the first qualification okay. uh, for a Home Ready or Home Possible. So there's a, a little chart. You look at somebody's income. And if you've evaluated, you know, properly, um, you know, they shouldn't exceed more than 80% of the area median income or AMI uh, for a particular area. And um, that so reminds me of another good point is why it's so important for agents to really get with a loan officer like Alan and, you know, have that relationship where Alan can then look at all of the information for your buyer. because maybe they make too much money to qualify for this loan, but there's another loan product that would work. Uh, sometimes I've had people that I thought we wanted to go VA because they were a veteran and had their VA eligibility, but yet the loan officer knew a better product that could save them more money and get the job done. You know, So um, call Alan and he can help lead you down that down that path are there are there any things that you're seeing buyers like running into problems student loan debt or other issues or or are there sometimes people come to you and say oh gosh we don't think we qualify for a loan because we filed bankruptcy but yet the bankruptcy maybe was medical related and you could verify certain things like that just any of those kind of interesting things that you've noticed or would like to comment? I think as far as, um, you know, the, the most common misconception again is uh, for most bars is that they, you know, believe that they have to have 20% down. Um, many times the issues revolve around credit. And what's, what's an irony is that I often find that the clients who are the most worried about something actually are not too bad and I end up qualifying them. Uh, it's when clients underestimate and they may not want to yeah. tell their loan officer something or their agent. Uh, and then I find out I pull credit, you know, and then we actually find out we may run into, you know, some difficulties. So it's, it's very funny. I find that it's uh, sometimes very opposite. You know, I had a borrower who was worried about, um, you know, they made a payment two days late on their credit card. So I said, you know, other than paying a late fee, you're okay. And I looked at their credit, you know, it was fine. They had, they had no lates, but you know, they were just so terrified that, that they had paid a, a bill two or three days late. And I said, well, other than paying a little late fee to your credit card company, that's not so bad. Uh, it, you know, it really didn't affect our process at all. Um, and, uh, you know, so that, that's one thing, um, you know, people think, uh, the small things are major and it turns out not to be And sometimes they may not disclose something and it turns out to be something, you know, very sizable, but in, in, in the market here in Hawaii, I think, uh, the challenge is obviously uh, price point number one, um, number two credit. And you did actually let me, uh, you know, let me know about student debt. So I want to talk about that because a lot of people are, um, you know, also worried about, about student debts. So um, typically what I come across on, on student loans are, are, are two things. Number one, uh, many uh, borrowers are on an IBL or income, or, I'm sorry, IBR, which is an income-based repayment. So basically according to their income, the student loan servicer will uh, go in and set their payments accordingly. So as they make more income, 
they're able to kind of step up their payments. But if their income is at a certain level, the payments are commensurate and lower generally, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, with that. So um, that's one thing, IBRs. The second thing is deferment. And of course, with, with COVID and, um, you know, that situation going on, um, you know, a lot of uh, loans are in deferment. In fact, I still have clients coming to me. Their loans are now coming out of deferment, you know, deferred payments, uh, you know, July, August, September, October. And so typically what happens is that when they are in deferment, obviously as a lender, we need documentation on that. But the second thing is when we pull up their credit reports, we see a zero payment. So um, we have to be careful as a, as a lender to make sure that uh, we, um, you know, we, we, we know what their student debt is. And we typically have to substitute a payment in, which is roughly, uh, I believe the guideline is 1%. Of their balance. So if they had a $14,000 balance on their, on their student loan, we have to calculate a, a payment of about 1% of that or, or $140 a month. Okay. Um, so that's something that, you know, many bars are not aware of. Um, but often I find more the case is the IBR, the income-based repayment. And generally that will be lower than even the 1% uh, for mm -hmm. most people starting out in a, in a, in a job or, uh, you know, whatever, given their, their uh, field of work. So um, yes, student loans are, are often um, a big question. Um, and it's not only the students. I have a lot of parents who become co-borrowers. And of course, they've co-signed for, for loans. Um, parents might be applying and they have a student loan and say, oh, my son or daughter is in college. And so they're not aware. They, you know, they think that their payment is zero because it's deferred when in actuality, they might have, you know, uh, you know a couple of uh, right. sizable payments. And so that's- Yeah, I, think, I hadn't thought about that. There. Very interesting. And you talked about something earlier, and I think that we should mention this, that sometimes I've had buyers who come in and I'll say, are you a first time home buyer? And they're saying, no, we've owned, we've owned a home. But then I find out that it was six years ago or four years ago, and they've been renting for the last four or five years. Is the, is the, um, requirement still the same or the rule that if as long as you haven't owned a home for three years you could qualify as a first-time home buyer or have they changed that and so for our listeners or agents the key to that is they they can't have any mortgage interest on a tax return for a three consecutive years and if that's the case even if they owned a home five years ago and sold it and they've been renting they actually in the eyes of many of these lenders are could qualify as a first-time home buyer is that correct or i'm going to say that there's two parts to this answer so part a and part b so as far as part a of my answer yes uh if you haven't owned a home according to you know your tax returns uh, for the last three years you are eligible for home ready home possible also, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac make the distinction that even if you've owned a home and you sold it in the last, you know, two or three years, um, and you don't currently own property, that's okay. You can actually still qualify for home ready and home possible. Um, part B of my answer is going to be if uh, state by state, your bar happens to be part of some sort of down payment assistance program, or uh, they're part of a special lottery for affordable homes. That is where the three-year requirement normally kicks in. And so there's, a, there's some overlap and kind of misunderstandings about that three-year rule. So 
if you have a, a home buyer who with the lender is going to go home ready, home possible, they only have 3% down, but they also are, let's say, applying for uh, special housing or, or you know, the, uh, for uh, um, affordable housing. State by state requirements may actually, especially in Hawaii, may actually prohibit you from even applying for that lottery because on your tax returns, you have to show the lender and show the, it's usually the housing agency or, or state, you know, state office that handles that proof that that person has not had any interest in any real property, whether it's rental or, or otherwise, you, you haven't had title on any property in that state for three years. Um, so if, if let's say, for example, I did have somebody who came to me, um, you know, they were living in Hawaii, but their property, they had title in another state. Uh, it, it didn't apply to them because they were they were okay to apply for the lottery here um, because they did not own any property or have any title to any property in the state of Hawaii. So okay. that's part B of the answer. So yes, on, on that case, when sure. you are applying for affordable programs or some sort of state sponsored program, down payment assistance here in Hawaii, there's a there's up to a forty thousand dollar zero interest twenty year loan, which is forgiven after year ten. So whatever the balance is after year ten, which should be you know, 20,000, uh, it's actually forgiven. So if I had somebody on that program, yes, they, they cannot have had any um, ownership uh, in any Hawaii real property in the, in the prior three okay. years. Very interesting. Well, the last question I just kind of, I guess, or want to remind people who are watching, you might be thinking, man, I would love to own property in Hawaii as an investment or get a condo to go over. And of course, with all the Airbnb and different things going on today, but you could actually help someone who maybe is on the mainland that wants to buy a condo for their loan needs. And uh, I'm just curious, I guess you do a lot of long distance type of finance applications with buyers who are relocating to Hawaii or buying investment property. What are things that, that you would encourage someone who might be thinking about investing in real estate in Hawaii that as an investment or maybe, you know, future retirement, is there any, any uh, specifics? I know that's a broad question, but anything mm -hmm. that you've seen or would suggest that they might uh, need to know? Absolutely. Um, you know, I get inquiries all the time. Uh, you know, I, I get uh, once in a while, the random calls. Uh, most of them are from my, my realtor partners. But, you know, people are always interested in getting that second home here, getting that investment right. here, uh, you know, for, for future you know, use. They're sitting on some money, they sold their house, and they'd like, you know, to, to have an investment somewhere else. So uh, the first thing is to remember that with an investment property, the magic number is 25% down. Um, you could buy an investment property for 20% down, and in some cases, even 15% down. But what happens is it becomes more cost prohibitive because, uh, you know, conventional lending um, and even jumbo uh, would require, um, it, it's more risk. It represents more risk to a lender to have an investment property because it's dependent upon the renters and income. Right. In. So typically lenders do like to see a 25% down or more. So that's the first thing, the number one for investors to have a minimum of 25% down. And that way they would get, um, um, you know, uh, more, I guess, favorable, uh, uh, pricing in terms of rate and, and, and loan discount points at 25% down than they would at 20. 
the second thing is, is of course, um, knowing the numbers because, you know, I get people asked all the time asking me, what are the market rents and so forth? So, you know, of course, that's, a, I think, definitely a real estate question and obviously for a real estate professional. But in my experience, I, I you know, typically kind of know what the conservative market rent might be, you know, uh, based on the applications I'm doing for, um, you know, a three bedroom house or a four bedroom house or maybe a, a typical condo that might be somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe 10 to 15 years old, um, you know, and so having a lender knowledgeable in that market is 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 another thing, and and having a realtor knowledgeable in in that market is another thing. Because a single family house renting in, let's say, urban Honolulu, uh, more east Honolulu, might command more rent than uh, a house being rented, let's say, outside of Honolulu, uh, further west. Uh, you know, and so it's still considered Honolulu, but um, you know, Honolulu has literally like over a dozen zip codes. And every zip code is pretty unique. So um, having a realtor knowing, you know, um, the market rents and being able to refer to that, that's another thing. So having, you know, knowledgeable a loan officer and, and a real estate person. And I think the third thing is, of course, um, you know, asking yourself, what is your long time, long term goal? If this investment property is really kind of like, you know, you're 60 years old, you're going to retire in five years. And this is really going to be, you know, steady income. Then maybe it might require more of a down payment so that that net income coming in is going to, you know, support your, your right. income goals. Whereas if if you're an investor and say, you know what, I'm, I'm riding the market. I think, um, you know, I want to buy an investment property. I'm going to sell it in three to five years. You know, that's important for me as a lender to know because I might not want to put you in a thirty year, uh, you know, thirty year mortgage. It might be more appropriate for fifteen or maybe even an adjustable rate mortgage. Right. might be more appropriate right and and so having you have that that, that cash flow so knowing your long-term and, and short-term goals for the property um you know in that case will really help determine and help the lender uh you know kind of craft a a, a plan for you in terms of financing and so i think those remembering those three things so down payment uh having you know knowledgeable realtor and loan officer to work with and knowing your your goals for that property. I think those are the three very important things to consider if you're going to be investing in, in property in Hawaii or elsewhere. Excellent points. And, and uh, of course, global real estate school, we now offer the salespersons and brokers courses in Hawaii. So I'm getting more familiar with the license law and different things. And, but um, one of the items I, I prepare these little cheat sheets for passing the test and it's not really we're not cheating i'm just taking the test booklet and they, they ask specific <laughs> questions yeah yeah that's right exactly and so one of them is you know discuss why the student needs to know why it's good to use a local lender and really when you think about what you just said and also, which another thing a lot of us don't think about on the mainland is the times difference. Uh, I have to make sure my students know that at nine o'clock I'm going to bed, you know, or 10 o'clock at night. Well, it's only three or four in the afternoon in Hawaii. A lot of students may not begin studying until after they get home from work. And so I have a lady in Hawaii that, that can that can help me. But those were logistics I had to think about. So, you know, you're there and you can get in touch with a title company or any of these issues that come up or the, or the real estate agent because you're on the same time zone. And, you know, if they're trying to do this with a lender 
on the mainland, that's going to be kind of complicated and make it a little more challenging. So, well, Alan, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I know your time's very valuable and this has been great. And we'll have Alan's contact information down below. If you're, you need help, um, we have a lot of our folks in Hawaii who will be watching. Reach out, Alan. You're a new agent. Again, it's so important to find a loan officer that you can work with. Uh, there's a lot of great loan officers out there, but you know it's always, I think, important to find a loan officer who uh, can help you and that you can call and say, Alan, I've got these people. Here's the situation. And then he can figure out if he can make it work or not. I, I, Alan, I've had my license since 1978 when I was 18 and wow. back in the 1980s, uh, you know, back then we did a lot of pre-qualifying on our own, but then we had some loan officers that would come down from St. Louis and some loan officers would just tell us anything, hoping they could get the loan together. And it was so discouraging and disheartening because you would write a contract and you would get, you know, a few weeks into the deal. And then the loan officer would say, no, I can't make that work. And I found a couple of people that were just straight shooters. They wouldn't take a deal if they didn't think they could make it work. And, you know, that was so important for me. And that's one of the things I like about USA Mortgage is you're, you don't get paid unless you close the loan. You want to make sure that you're not wasting anybody's time and you've got great loan products. And so uh, I know you would be a great agent or a great loan officer for our agents to, to, to seek out and talk to. So be sure and look up Alan and uh, first time home buyers, home pos home possibility. Was that it? Or home possible? Home possible and, and home yeah. ready. Home ready. Sounds like a great programs. So thank you for sharing that information with us. So, I want to thank you for watching the podcast and the YouTube channel. Don't forget Alan's information's down below. Check out USA Mortgage, great organization. I've said this on other podcasts, and but Alan and I, back in 2011, 12, I was at a meeting and there was a loan officer there from USA Mortgage. And he was so, back then, there were so many people that couldn't get home loans because their credit was beat up. And USA Mortgage was really trying to help people rebuild their credit so they could become home buyers. I was so impressed because I thought, how many loan officers are that passionate to try to work with people that they know can't get a loan in 30 days? It'll be six months, a year, two years. But yet you, the, the company had that kind of culture. And that's what I like about USA Mortgage. They just cared about helping people be able to have that American dream of home ownership again. So anyway, thank you so much. Appreciate your time and, and uh, appreciate everyone watching our podcast. Have a great well, day. Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. And yes, uh, first time home buyers, first time agents are my passion. Um, you know, no question is too small or insignificant. And uh, I really enjoy, I mean, I think our, uh, the life of a loan officer is the uh, scenarios, right? Uh, scenarios right. from clients, scenarios from, uh, realtors and That's I, right. you know what, I never get tired of it. I've been in financial services for uh, nearly 22 years in Hawaii in some shape or form. And uh, I, it, it just never gets boring. Every day is a new challenge and every bar is unique. Every, you know, situation is unique and, and it never gets boring. So I, I love, I love, uh, I love lending.
Great. And don't forget real estate agents and soon to be agents. USA Mortgage also has all of those great tools that they can help you with for mailers, video, social media posts. I mean, uh, Alan can can get you in touch with those resources that they have, but some great tools to help you grow your business as well. So thank you again, we have Alan. A fan, yes, we have a fantastic marketing uh, uh, marketing department. I've never seen it. And let me just plug, we have something called the Battleship. And the Battleship is literally a huge printer that I, I forget they told me the dimensions on it, but they call it the Battleship. And it can print anything from door knocker uh, printouts to large flyers to open house things just have to have about a week's lag time, uh, a lead time, excuse me. And it's great. Yeah, we put it through the battleship and then I get it, you know, shipped here to me in Hawaii in, in a few days. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a fantastic I've heard it's amazing. Home. So very, very cool. Great. Well, thank you, Alan. We'll let you get back to that beautiful Hawaii weather. Although in Missouri, as of the recording of this session, it's been beautiful here today. So <laughs> oh, great. All right. Thank you. Thank you, John. Uh, bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Global Real Estate School. I'm John Mayfield, the real estate tech guy. Go out and make it a great day. Topics discussed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions apply. Interest rates and products are subject to change without notice and may or may not be available at time of commitment or lock-in. DAS Acquisition Company LLC is not affiliated with or endorsed by any government entity or agency, including the USDA, HUD, or VA. DAS Acquisition Company LLC, doing business as USA Mortgage, MLS number 227262, Equal Housing Opportunity.